You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Serving Calgary and Southern Alberta since 1992. You got a question about basements? Yeah, you do. Visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. Uh, no Matty Rose. He's probably right now probably sucking down an espresso. He's sucking down craft beer somewhere in Italy, if you can find it. <laughs> you think so? I absolutely do. He's probably, he's probably Does Brony make craft beer? He's probably a little oh. put off right now. Mm. Yeah. Uh, or, he, or he's maybe he's, he's having a tiramisu, <laughs> potentially. Uh, no Matty Rose. Eric Francison all week. From 7 to 9. That's the beautiful and handsome voice of Calgary sporting legend, Frank Cron, in <laughs> studio down. here for the entire hour. <laughs> you know, I don't even think he's comfortable with the term legend. Like, and I love you. No. I, you oh, know, yeah, yeah. I'm one of your no, biggest no. fans. I, I'll say Calgary's beauty. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, like, I think legend. But, but beauty works in so many levels. Right. And, and so does he. Because he's such a handsome gentleman. Right. He He's on so many levels, this kid. He's like a yep. department store, this guy over right. here. What do you need? I got it. Exactly. Right. You just come. I'll be there. Honest to God. All yeah. right. Uh, the question our <laughs> listeners are dying to hear the answer to. How long could you, and you're a, you're a larger gentleman. Yes, I am. Thank you for a very powerful man. Yeah, yeah. Sturdy. Powerful, yeah. Yeah. I'm a very sturdy gentleman. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're, it's like yeah. the shark tank. Yeah. 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 Um, you're like a powerful steed. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Could you last three seconds on a bull? See, here's, you know, I'm glad you asked that question because yep. I got a bit of a story for you. <laughs> okay. So um, early on in my bull riding career, yep. um, you know, there's a, there was a mechanical bull at Ranchman's. Oh, and, and uh, you know, people are saying, hey, you might want to hop on this thing. We want to see what you got. And uh, I walked up, and apparently there's a weight limit for that thing, right? Mm, okay. Unbeknownst to me, right. right? At the time, it was uh, 250 bills, right? Yeah. So I walk up to this poor young guy who's, not, who's going to say no, but doesn't really know how to in a very polite way because mm. I'm slightly over 250 at the time. Anyway, <laughs> we, buy, we bypass a lot of red tape, yeah. and uh, I make my way onto the bull. Oh, yeah. boy. And uh, did the bull give you a look? He did. He was mechan- yeah. He wasn't even turned on yet. And he's okay. like, he looked at me and he goes, "No thanks." Yeah. Um. But anyway, I lasted a little bit. He went slow because you could hear them. You know, the metal and the iron that used to make that machine was just starting to creak and bend. And I get bucked off, and I end up with the head in my arm. I think Ronnie Stern's got a picture of me with the head of a bull in the in the pit, mm-hmm. but with the mechanical bull. So you I pulled helped. the head off I, of it. I pulled the head off of it. Yes. <laughs> So that's the mechanical bull, right? Yep. That's the mechanical bull. Right. Now, fast forward. Uh, it was a charity event. I think it was an Airdrie or somewhere before the stampede. One of my buddies was like, hey, do you want to come ride a bull for charity? And immediately I thought that was one hell of an idea. Yeah. I was like, you know what? These guys are like, they're machines. I just want to have that class. Because you go to that bull busting event that the guys put on. And it's like the coolest for like it's the coolest thing you've ever seen. And they're so and they walk out and they're just you know everybody's just getting their fireworks and yeah. It's just it's a quite an event. And like, well, I want to be that guy. I want to be that guy. Now, looking at me riding the bull, I went and I actually talked to Cody Snyder and I talked to uh, one other guy and I said, hey, like, what are the chances of a guy like me riding the bull? Right. Yeah. And he looked at me and goes, you you you're an idiot there's not a chance that you should be riding a bull most of these guys are like they're they're lighter guys right they're not yeah, big yeah. B- big men right uh you're not you're you know i'm a large guy he said you'd break your back on one of those things they would even a bull that you know 
yeah. is just old and tired and doesn't really want to do it anymore, would <laughs> right. probably kill me or <laughs> yeah. run out of the building saying, I'm not letting the 300-pound guy on right. my back. This is a joke, right? <laughs> That's animal cruelty. Yeah, it's exactly, yeah. right? You know what? Yeah, exactly, right? Help the guy out. He's on yeah. his way out. He's, he's retiring. We don't want to kill the guy on his last day. So I didn't do it. I've never done it. Yeah. I don't think I ever would, but mm. that is the best event at, uh, at the rodeo, bar none for me. Uh, what, when you did think about wanting to do that, and I, I will admit that when I first came here, I remember thinking, oh, I, I wouldn't mind taking a shot at that. But, but how, how drunk do you have to be to oh, even man. think about the possibility but, but no, but of But you have on. to be, and again, we're not promoting drinking here, but no, <laughs> a little bit. But you have to be, because you got to be all loosey-goosey yes. and pliable. You can't be up Because if you're, if you're stone sober, you're going to be tensing up. Like, all of a sudden, you're tensing up, holding on to that bull. If you've had a couple, like 25 rum and Cokes, you're all of a sudden, you're flawed. like, come on. I, I know in theory. Well, look, look at those cowboys. They tense up like crazy, and they're they're world class yeah. athletes. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Well, that's the, I'm, yeah, and you can't compare world class athletes. The With three us, of us schlubs yeah. on a bull. <laughs> that's the difference. Well, they have that little that little cage in the middle. I've sat in that a bunch of times, yeah. and you just stare at a bull without that cage. Do you look into its soul? And you from? look into its soul. It's basically peeing right there in front of you, staring at you like, hey, you know what? You can't get out of this thing because I'm running around here right now. Yeah. And you're like, there's not a chance in hell I'd hop on this thing. And then oh. our, our, like our company, Precision Well Servicing, we popped over at, uh, we had a, a couple of bleachers there for, for a night, and, or a couple nights, sorry, and we're right by the chutes, and these bulls can barely fit into the chutes. They're so narrow, and then they get a little ornery, yeah. and, and they're just kind of rocking things, you know, back oh, and moving left ever? and right, yeah. and they're bucking, and guys got to get on. And, I mean, you know, it all seems like a great idea. Like, I want to be cool. I want to walk around the bar being a yeah. bull rider. I want the attention. I want it all. But <laughs> you I don't want to wear chaps. But I don't want to work for it. No, you know, I don't want to no. work for it. I don't want to earn it. I just want to yeah. wheel in there and say, hey, you know what? Yeah, I'm a bull rider. But guess what? I'm not. Everything except for the eight seconds is oh, very appealing. Man. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Yes. Now, you guys have to ask me, because uh, I've never met a bull rider. Uh, how's the handshake? <laughs> it's rough. <laughs> It's very yeah. rough, callous, very strong, very very sturdy, very sturdy. Yeah, it could basically rip your uh, arm out yep. of it, out of your socket cool. of your shoulder, and uh, it's, it's eye contact. You must maintain eye contact at all times, right? Because um, otherwise, it's you know these are just these are men that put their lives on the line. Yeah, I, running I would assume around, they have a like, good vice grip of yeah, a handshake. It, oh yeah, and you just you call them Mister. You know they're nineteen years old. You're like, hey Mister, yeah, bull rider, how are you? Right, right. And I'm forty one. He's nineteen. The kid's getting on a bull. You're like, what is oh. going on? These guys, you. The, tr- the amount of respect you have for these, these guys, yes, like it just goes without saying. And you can and you can pick them out of a lineup too, right? Like you're walking around, you know, you're uh, at the bar afterward or whatever, and like he's a bull rider, he's a bull rider because they're he's cool. A bull rider. Yes, and that's the other thing, George. And they're good people. When new people come into town, you know, you you go to the dollar store, you pull on your cowboy hat that you bought for two dollars. <laughs> it's got the band on it with the Canadian flag or the whistle. Yeah, yeah. you know, like you can spot a fraud mm-hmm. from a mile away. A lot of us. Even guys like me have been 30, 30 years here. You know, I got the big dinner plate belt buckle. Yeah. I got the well-worn-in boots. You can always tell a guy with the new boots. They're oh, all clean. Yeah. He's like, oh, I got. I think I got something on my boot. I got to clean it off. No, no, the, the more worn-in, the more legit you yeah. are. Mm-hmm. But there's still a difference from even a guy who's been to Stampede 30 years and kind of knows the style yeah. to a guy who is a serious cowboy. You can just right. tell when he walks in, that guy is not to be messed with. And, you know, and they're all kind of relaxed and easygoing. And you can spot a phony. From, I'm a phony myself. Let's not kid ourselves. Oh, yeah, we are. And I get fired up. I'm like, I'm running around. Like, where am I going to next? I'm so excited. And these guys are just like easy going. Hey, mm-hmm. man, how you doing? They've been doing it forever. I mean, you got a bunch of farmers in the area, too, that come from all over the place that, yep. you know, farm year round. And, you know, they're there and they're just, they're, 
they get it, man. It's 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 an unbelievable event. You can spot the phonies from the real guys. Yeah, <laughs> like it's that. incredible. Yeah. Like what age do these guys start too? Like at what point in their lives do they jump on a bull for the first time? Man, oh man. Well, it's like Cody said, you grow up with it, right? There, yeah, yeah. There, there's a, a guy in here who's like. I played minor hockey my whole life, and at 17, I think I'm just going to go try riding bulls. Yeah. No, yeah. you grow up on a farm, and you have a chance of being a cowboy. Yep. You don't grow up on a farm, you're not just showing up on a bull someday. Yeah. So I, I don't know what the age is. <laughs> yeah. What you know, when a family says, you know, you're you know, you're a fourth generation Snyder, you're gonna, you're probably gonna ride bulls. When should we start putting Junior <laughs> on a 1800 yeah. pound bull? Yeah. Like they would obviously start with maybe only a. Only a six hundred pound bull, maybe. Yeah, yeah just a light one. Yeah, a little right. light yeah. one. And yeah. you got your eight year old. Yeah. And you're like, good luck. But I know a, a buddy of mine. Um, he's a golf pro in town. His son is a bull rider. Oh wow. And I'm like, wow, dude, like that's terrifying. Yeah. He said, oh yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah. But he loves it. It's his passion. Just... I'm like, wow, man. I'm not sure I'd let. As the song goes, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. <laughs> yeah. I'm into that one. Uh, yeah. You know what I have noticed? Uh, no Jofa buckets with the cage with the bull riders there. No. Because that thing's not offering old too Coopers. much protection. I no, see I've that. seen some Coopers, and they're old relics. It, I don't know how much protection yeah, like, some of those offer. Oh, man. It's but. just psychological. I got a helmet on. I'll be okay. Let, let, me, <laughs> let me go. Right? What could happen? Yeah. Yeah. Hold my beer. Um... <laughs> Uh, we've been talking about it all morning, too. So, um, Eric Francis, 25 rum and cokes. You think he could do it during the staff party day? Yeah, you know, well, staff party day. So, what, I'd have, four, out, I'd have four hours to gun it. Is that what you're saying? No, no, he all day. Starts all at day. 2 p.m. tomorrow. Oh, good. That's exciting. You know what? Abso- <laughs> absolutely. Exciting. Absolutely. But I don't like the pop. The pop makes me have a terrible hangover. All the sugar. Can't yeah. do it. You can, you know, I'm getting to the age where it's just kind of straight or, you know, you got to find a good, decent mix. Maybe a little watered down. Yeah. You could slam her down the gullet. Yeah. But uh, um, with pop, you know, I've had a couple double whiskey gingers, you know, over the years, and and uh, that'll that'll get that'll catch up to you too. All yeah, that sugar doubles. just makes you. Oh, why not? Can we just stop this right here? I, I don't want. I, I, this is not something I'm striving to do tomorrow. This right. is not a goal in life. This is not Listen. something that I think is a good idea. Nor do I think I can drink 25 rum and cokes. He just threw it out at me yesterday because yeah. of Joey Chestnut. Yeah, we're in like, that yeah, whole if conversation. Joey Chestnut can eat 64 right. hot dogs yeah. in 10 minutes. What can you do? Why Eric? can't Eric Francis yeah. drink 25 yeah. rum right. and cokes this over is, an eight-hour period? Right. What are you doing in your life? This is nothing short of like a a, a frat night. D- dudes just getting together, and all of a sudden, one guy throws out the dumbest idea. Yeah. Hey, I th- you think you could run across the quad naked? And then suddenly he's doing it. Right. I'm right. not going to drink 25 rum and cokes tomorrow. Right. It's not a good idea. I'm going to drink a lot 18, of rum maybe. and cokes tomorrow. 18, depending. Right. 16. And he wants to count them. He wants to put a Sharpie on my arm with every one I drink. And then a lot. Yeah. That's not. Like you're in prison. That's not yeah. my plan. Yeah, like that's that's not exactly my goal. what I said. It's like, yeah. I got how many days left in the right. joint. Right. Maybe start with a beer. Maybe start with a Caesar. That might help you get going too, right? <laughs> get a How about a nice seasons. espresso martini? And, yeah, that'll get you kind of right? going. It'll just it's, warm you up to, to any idea that's is, thrown at your way. Is there any more old school thing than hair of the dog? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That must. You, yeah. I bet that was invented by oh, yeah. someone at Stampede. For, for those of you who don't know what hair of the dog is, it's like if you're hungover, like just you know, jump into a Caesar or a Bloody Mary in the morning to kind of get rid of your hangover. It's big on in camping. I found that was the first time yeah. I ever heard it. Camping as a Teen, hair of the dog. You're like, what? Wait a sec. We got two hours sleep. Yeah. We were jumping over the fire three hours ago, 
And now you want me to have a Caesar? You can't let I don't that. Think so. You can't let that overhang catch up with you, right? You got to stay ahead of it. You cannot let it overtake you because it'll shut you down. Uh, I remember um, this story. I'll never forget this as long as I live. Uh, my dad's cousin, uh, Uncle Joe, we called mm-hmm. him. Uh, very like big chest hair, gold chains, drove an old Mercedes. Like very, he lived in Florida. Mm-hmm. Very very <laughs> sketchy. Story check. Yeah, very yeah. very sketchy. <laughs> yeah. He sits my brother and I down and goes, uh, boys, if you ever if you ever need to drink and drive, make sure you drink a red eye, which is a beer with tomato juice. He goes, you'll never get caught by the cops. I, I swear to you, two yeah. weeks later, yeah. DUI for yeah. Uncle Joe. Yeah, my on. brother and I still laugh about that. You're fine with a red eye. That's the worst red advice eye. I've ever heard yeah, in my life. Exactly. Like, thanks, Uncle Joe, with like your cubic zirconia diamond right. uh, in, in, in your tooth. Like, thanks for telling us <laughs> right now that you can net you, the cops will never have you have a red eye. No, two weeks later, I, I, I S you not, DUI got busted oh, for driving. And you looked driving. up to him too, I would imagine, right? Like, no, yeah, this, no, this not guy, really. This guy yeah. can get not away with really. anything. He's a wheel down yeah. in Florida. Yeah. Yeah, that no one knows what he does for yeah. a living. But no, uh, nobody does. Import export. Yeah. Uh, he definitely had a uh, yeah. definitely had a big made to chest hair. Dude, never get caught right on a red eye. Uh, um, this segment brought to you by the Liquor Control Board of yes. Alberta. Yeah, again, it's that, but again, it's it's this is the week. It, it, it is. T- it, we yeah. could joke about uh, alcohol intake because that is foremost on a lot of people's mind during Stampede. Yeah, right. I mean, you think about the tent city that's. Cowboys right yeah. now, like they're I don't know how many people are in there five thousand ten thousand I don't, I don't know how much we're gonna find out oh, but, yeah. but yeah. you know I, I it, like that's that's running that's larger than a lot of cities in this province <laughs> where yeah. where all these cowboys are coming from <laughs> right that's bigger than every city yes. they've ever been to they've yeah. ever lived in it's nuts it's bigger and, than my town and and every and and they've got a hundred bars in there and oh what an industry uh, it, it's a great if week. you're looking for trouble. That's yeah. a good place to get started. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's the voice of uh, Calgary sports legend Brent Cron <laughs> joining us here in studio. It's the big show, Rustic and Rose. No Rose, Eric Francis. Sportsnet uh, 960, the fan. Um, when it comes to the, the rodeo and stuff, so outside of the bull riding, what is the must-see event, in your opinion, for the rodeo? Oh, the 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 Bronx. It's the same thing, but with horses. Whatever, that's what I watch. I, everything else, I don't know. I, I calf roping's fun. You know? Okay, is there okay? Is there anything outside of bull riding you think you can actually maybe do? Oh, maybe do. Oh, pardon me. Barrel racing, <laughs> and I'm not diminishing it. Like yeah. we'd finish with thirty Clyde, seconds behind with a Clydesdale instead of a thoroughbred. <laughs> <laughs> Right <laughs> on a donkey. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. But yeah. that's doable. Yeah, I'm not. And again, I, those ladies that do that—they're oh, they, incredible. Like and the dexterity and, but I, but yeah, we'd finish double the time you know if they're 18 seconds. We're 35. What I'd love to do though is is the calf rope and like to you know I'd, I'd miss with the rope and then I'd probably just jump off the horse and try and tackle this thing. And these guys, <laughs> you know, they make yeah. it look simple. You know, yeah, and it's yeah, so yeah, hard. I'm with you. And then, you know, the amount of misses, and it's just like this little calf gets away, and it's like, oh, well, get back in the pen here, buddy. We're going for around 14, right? But, yeah, yeah, your barrel racing, to the best of my knowledge, would probably yeah. be. Um, I remember uh, one of the events I covered uh, early on in my uh, broadcasting career, I did show jumping. This is oh. after the 08 Olympics when Canada <laughs> won uh, the, the Eric Lamaze uh, oh, won yeah. the gold medal in equestrian, right? So I went to an event very very like 
this is a show jumping event in 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 Caledon in in Ontario. Prestigious. It, it, it was prestigious. Stuffy. It wasn't prestigious. It was stuffy. prestigious. It was stuffy. Uh, and then I, I was told by some people, I go, "There's the richest woman in Canada." I'm like, "Well, that's great." I go, "She clearly doesn't own a comb, <laughs> yeah. but at least she's the richest woman in Canada." And that I was amazed by just show jumping. Like how these horses and these people have like the horse is so in tune jumping all over all these barriers. I couldn't imagine jumping off a horse and then tackling another animal. How incredible that! No, oh, but again, they make it look easy. You watch it on Sportsnet every night. I do yeah. find myself watching the rodeo every night when I get home. Yeah. If I get home at a decent hour, yeah, and and they do make it look so seamless. Yeah, and it's not. Can you imagine how jarring, how how bad your back would be for months if you jumped off a a, a sprinting horse? And tried to stop dead, plant your heels in while you're rendering a, a cap. I, I no. I blow my back while putting my boots on in the morning, right? Yeah. And, and, and these guys, you know, <laughs> they, they give you false hope too, right? Because you sit there and it's like, yeah, probably do that, eh? Wait, what, what, what do you guys think? Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah and that's yeah, the thing too, that. especially yeah. after a couple of drinks. Yeah. Like you and your buddy's like, I could totally do that, <laughs> yeah. and you can't. Like sometimes, <laughs> like people don't realize, even when it comes to like professional sports and stuff. Like, yeah. oh no, I could. I could definitely hit that, you know, 90-mile-an-hour fastball. No, you can't. No, no you can't. No, no, you can't. You literally can't. It's only with a bunch of booze you think you can. Yeah, yeah. like uh, my, my buddy J.D. Bunkus in Toronto, he was talking a lot of smack on how easy it would be to be a lacrosse goalie. Wow. So the Toronto Rock's like, oh, you think it's easy? Why don't you come out? And they were firing yeah. the ball at oh, him. Yeah. And, it, and they hit him for with going it. out there, at least. Oh, no, he did. Right. He, he did go out there, and he goes, I will never talk smack again. And even yeah. they just gave him a couple stingers just yeah. to know they yeah. were there. Like, yeah, maybe Ooh, not yeah. smack talk us it's about that. It's not a tennis ball they're whipping no, at. Yeah. No, no, and it's not. It's just, it's hilarious how, like, people think they see it on TV and how things look ridiculously easy. No, it, it is not easy at all, especially at the professional level of anything. <laughs> no. You raise a very good point, Croner, as you often do, oh, yeah. about the boots. Yeah. I, I went in golfing last night, and my back's a little off right now, and I'm convinced it happened when I was trying to get my boots off the other night. Oh, awful. I, there, you think I'm kidding, George? Because I don't even know. You probably don't own cowboy boots. It's your first year. You yeah, don't want to no, yeah. go jump right into it. Your feet but swell. But those things are really hard to get on, but a whole lot harder to get off, especially if you've been to the bar all night. Oh, and man. And you could, you could pop a shoulder <laughs> or pull a back muscle. It sounds ridiculous, yeah. but I'm telling you that there are people listening going, Quietly saying to themselves, yeah. "Yeah, those things are hard. They're to get awful." Off. And and one of my my left leg is a little bit bigger than my my right leg. <laughs> really? For all the surgeries I have, my ankles like it's just it's it's yeah. a it's a it's it's a disaster. So you you go and buy a pair of cowboy boots. It fits yeah. the right, no problem. Yeah. And the other one, it's like a finger trap. You know, you, once it's in, all the air is pushed out, and I can't get my feet. I got to drill a hole in the bottom. <laughs> it's awful. What what's the stupidest injury you ever suffered? <sighs> Stupid injury. Yeah, like like an unnecessary stupid injury you had in your profession. While you think about that, my favorite one all time is Hall of Fame pitcher John Smoltz had to go on the uh, the DL at the time because he burnt himself trying to iron a shirt he was wearing. <laughs> no, that happened. He burnt him. He he ironed his shirt while he was wearing it. Burnt himself. Had to miss a start. What's the stupidest injury you've suffered? Did you ever suffer something like that in your career? No, I just slammed my finger in a car door, and then I had to yeah. drill out the stuff, and then I had to go play it, which just sucks, too, because people are stepping on you and whatever, but that's yeah. nothing crazy. I got injured all the time for, like, real injuries, not, like, stuff I did to myself. I got, I got injured enough throughout my life. I didn't need to put myself behind the eight ball even more. Okay, that's the voice of uh, Brent Kraut. I think we'll talk about the Calgary Flames next. Oh, good. Oh, yeah, we should squeeze some of that in. Yeah, I, have a, that. I have a question about that. Are we going to take a break first? Sure. Okay. That's the big show. It's George, it's Eric, it's Calgary legend Brent Crump. <laughs>
Sports at 960 The Fan. You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Um, no Matty Rose, he's away in Italy. Eric Francis in the whole week. And we have Calgary sporting legend Brent Cron in studio for the remainder of uh, the hour. I asked him about weird sports injuries, He's and he didn't really have one until the break, and he's like, I got one for you. Now I remember <laughs> which one I suffered. What what happened, Brent Caron? We were in the Calder Cup playoffs in the American Hockey League, round two. We're playing against the Chicago Wolves. I was playing for the Texas Stars. Because uh, it was 2-3-2 two, two, how the series went. Yep. You play the first two in Chicago, then we came back for three in Austin, then we went back for two in Chicago. So, But there was a lull in between a few games, right? So after game two, there was like, Five days off, just, you know, it's the American League, so they play on nights that you can actually get people in the stands, right? So I was staying at the the complex where most of the family, the guys with kids, they all kind of stayed at a pool. It was hot outside. It was Texas. It was, you know, May, end of May. And we went and grabbed, you know, big styrofoam coolers and just filled it full of beer and just floated in the pool all day. We had practice and we just floated. And I remember falling asleep on a floaty, falling asleep. Hmm. And uh, I burned my body, like, to a crisp. (laughs) And I I showed up. The next day we had to play, right? Yeah. And I showed up uh, to the rink, and I I woke up in the morning. I I went to bed. I was fine. I was hot. You know, a little yeah. sweating. A little hot. I was a little hot. Right. Oh my god. Whatever. I'll be fine. Yeah. Get up in the morning. I'm like, I can't even put my shirt on. My my. And I'm I I, I got to play that night. Plus, put my chest protector on. Oh. And I'm like, I get I t- I refuse to take my my shirt off in the in the uh, change room because I didn't want the guys to see what kind of a moron I was yesterday. And like, yeah. come on, it's like game, you know, threes tonight, and you're just gonna do this, you whatever right right so i slowly after everybody's gone i slowly kind of just pull it over my head ever so delicately in the finest cotton i could find so it didn't <laughs> break my whatever <laughs> heat blisters open yeah and what trainer walks by goes Croner, holy i'm like oh, dj i like i need some cream some ointment whatever you got let's get straight to the back right and played that night we won yeah i was thinking it was i could have been could have been second star. Not sure. Probably okay. one, of, one of the better performances of my life. You sure you weren't first star? <laughs> I want to keep it humble. I'm not 100 percent sure. <laughs> right. Um, you know, guilt. Guilt's a wonderful motivator. Yeah. Right. And yep. uh, that motivated me that night to not complain, not to you know whatever. And it all worked out, but it could have gone awry very quickly. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Putting that chest protector on, I was screaming because it's you know full arm yeah, and yeah. it just your whole body's being touched by it. It, and then the puck hits you too in pregame skate. And he's like, ah! And the guys knew that I was burnt too. So it's just right center of the chest every time. Like, ah! <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. See, that's that's way better than closing your hand on a door. Yeah, I know, right? I panicked. Yeah. You know, I don't, it's not often I panic on the spot, but I was like, there's got to be something. Yeah. Right? Stuff does just happen. Terrible to me. sunburn. Yeah. Right? Um, we got about uh, 20 minutes to go in the show. Uh, we, we can talk about the Calgary Flames. Uh, we've, 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 ta- we've, we've broached a lot of topics today. Yeah. Luke Gazdick was great about player-coach relationships. Mm-hmm. But I uh, wanted to ask you, um, do you, it's, get, it's looking like now, Croner, that we're going to go into the season potentially with Noah Hannafin, Elias Lindholm, Michael Backlund, all heading into the final years of their deal. How, how uncomfortable do you think that potentially could be, not only for the team, but for the guys in the room? Well, I think it's going to be a distraction. They've all kind of said that they're either one, one you know, they're either in or they're in the way. And right now it kind of feels like they're a bit in the way with what they want to do, right? It was like we discussed here, you know, a week or two ago, we were led to believe it was a Daryl Sutter problem, right? And the guy still mm-hmm. wanted to, 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 to get out. And that just kind of drove, it drives me nuts as a player to know that I've played with guys on teams that are like, well, you know, I, if I don't get this opportunity or this doesn't happen or this doesn't change, I don't want to be here. 
and guys in the room are like, well, you know, I mean, they're, they're leaders in that dressing room too, right? Yeah. They've been around for a long time. Yep. So nobody's really going to call them out. I mean, who, maybe a guy like Tanev, I don't know, but now it's a bit weird. It's almost like you got to almost integrate, if, if they are actually going to start the season with these four guys back, Hannafin, I can see, you know, I, I don't really kind of view him as a big, big distraction. I view the kind of, uh, the Lindholm one as being the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Backlund too, depending, you know, he didn't want to be here and then now he's kind of went back with, with, with coaching changes and whatnot. Um, but yeah, that's all that the, that the questions are going to be there every single day. When's the extension? What are you doing? What's the plan? Where are you going? How is it going to work? What's the deal? And it's, it's, it, it, we, we don't have enough information, but we almost have too much information where they, they could have kept all this stuff in house. I don't know why it's made public. Like if guys don't want to be here, it's now our job to talk about it. I talk about it every day with guys and everybody that I talk to, former players to people that, you know, are, have such a passion for the game. There's, there's a bad taste in your mouth. It, it really makes you mad. Just, well, go ahead. Uh, well, sorry to cut you off. I, I, I just think that there's an important distinction between guys who don't want to be here and guys who are just simply not going to extend their stay here. Yeah. There's a big difference to no, me. Yes. You know, none of them are saying, I want out, I want to trade. Now, that it may come to that. One of those three may say, I think it'll be untenable for me to be here. I think it'll be a distraction. I think it's best for everyone if we just cut the cord and you trade me. That's different. Be a man about it. Well... But but I, I'm not I don't I'm not necessarily thinking that they feel that way that they need to get out right away. If Daryl Sutter was coming back, yes, I guarantee at least two of those would have asked for a trade by now for sure because I know that they just didn't get yep. along with the coach. Agreed. But they you know the the organization saw that as a problem. They got rid of that impediment. Now they're hoping that that's enough for them to stay. I could see them addressing the team, especially Backlund as a true leader of this team, saying, "Guys." Everybody knows the situation. Mm-hmm. I want you to know I'm going to be here. And I'm going to bust my ass. I'm going to be the hardest working player on this team. And I'm gonna, I'm with you all the way for every day that I'm here. And I don't want to think about what's beyond. And I don't want you to think about it. Easier said than done. For sure. All I'm saying is there's a difference between wanting out. And, 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 and good on Craig Conroy. Toffoli, when he came to them and said, look, if you're not going to give me a long-term extension, then I want out. Craig lived up to his words and said, if people don't want to be here, they're gone. Yes. So none of these three guys have said, I don't want to be here. All they're saying is, as a businessman, when I have my option in one year's time, I'm going to seek greener pastures. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that either. But it isn't. it does hurt if you're a teammate watching these guys right. still here. I get that. No, and, and I get where you're coming from, and, and you're completely right. And I get where you're coming from being an athlete because you know it's a business. But the problem is the way fans look at it is loyalty. Like, don't leave the team. If you're if you're a member, you should want to be here the remainder of your career yeah. and try to win a championship in Calgary. Yeah. That's that's a distinction. It's just the sure. loyalty aspect of professional sports with fans. And I know you guys view it differently with based on your relationships in and out of the game and how long you've been covering the game. And, and Kron, you were a professional athlete. Like, th- just the loyalty aspect of it is a hard thing for fans to... to it's not like these guys aren't loyal to the organization, but they have to look out for themselves first, and they absolutely should because they're the ones who have sacrificed their entire lives to get where they are. Well, and the second that you are dried up and you're not performing well, you're gone, right? Like that—that's mm-hmm. the thing too, right? It's a—you know—they do talk about loyalty. You know, oh, you want to—you know—you're gonna give everything you have. They gave you your chance, and a lot of guys can get caught up in that. Well, I owe this team absolutely everything. I always admire the guys that bet on themselves. I always admire the guys that said, you know what. I'm actually going to go, you know, I'm going to ask for this amount of money. If they don't want to give it to me, I'll go move on. I'll go someplace else. Mm-hmm. I, I, and, and, and there's no one right way to do it. There are guys that are loyal. There are guys look, that, are, that compete just the same with totally different mindsets about how they go about their career. But correct me if I'm wrong, 
Did they not? Did not? Did the players? I think it was maybe Backland or somebody or Lindholm saying, "You know, we're going to see what direction this team goes before we make a decision." That too. was Backland. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you know, I, I want to be on a championship team. Well, they've had championship teams here. We think on paper that haven't panned out either. Mm. So how how dare you say, "Well, we'll see after being here for what? How long has he been here? Twelve years." I like the guy. I think he's great. And maybe he doesn't mean it in that context. But I sit there and think, you've had guys that you're you're supposed to have pretty good teams that didn't really do a whole bunch. And now you're going to sit here and say, hey, oh, you know, let's see what the Flames can do for me. I understand. Now, don't take that out of context because he's at a point in his career where he wants to win too. And so he's going to make the decision for for what he wants. And I want him. He's a winner. I like the guy. He's awesome. He's great for the city. But he's not Ray Bork that played 21 years to Boston Bruins and couldn't win and then went to Colorado, won a cup, and then retired. You know, these guys have had opportunities to be champions, to, to do better. They haven't. And now to see to see, hey, where the team's going, to just kind of that as a fan, but as a former player, drives me absolutely insane. Well, and and I, I I brought this. I had a I had a rant a couple of years ago. And again, it 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 maybe sounds a little harsh, but do you guys sometimes feel like this city? And this is kind of what I noticed being here. They fall in love with mediocrity a little too much. Like God bless Michael Backlund. We we he just won the 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 award for for his incredible work off the ice. The guy, he personifies everything what Calgary should be. Guy loves the city. But mm-hmm. with all due respect, he's never won anything here. And people are so loyal to guys who have not won anything here and haven't even been to the conference final since 04. Like, I just don't understand how some fans here, they just like, oh, we can't let that guy go. We can't let that guy yeah. go. Well, they've tried it with these guys, and it hasn't worked. You have to try eventually something else. And that's what I've noticed in this city is that, again, and we I know the whole thing is they've never bottomed off a note to be in the lottery to get those elite players, but sometimes you, you, you do this and you fall in love with a guy like Michael Backlund, and again, this isn't a slight against his character or whatever, but he, that, that team two years ago with, with Goudreau, he was in Linome at the best line in hockey, that team could have won a Stanley Cup, could have been right there, could have been right there with the Avalanche in, in the Western Conference Final, playing them, team, team was right there. Vegas thought they were a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, and they fell flat on their face. Like, yeah. again, you fall in love with these guys who haven't really delivered anything, and I just don't understand. The the amount of people who were upset with the Tyler Toffoli deal. I like Tyler Toffoli. Had an incredible season last season. Tyler Toffoli, if he's your number one winger, you're not a championship team, and that is not a slight against Tyler Toffoli. He's a great complimentary piece on a championship team, like he was with the LA Kings. I just don't understand sometimes the mentality of this fan base falling in love with guys who haven't delivered the but- mail or maybe aren't those... A pieces that they need to be a championship team. That's almost every fan base, don't you think? Like, um, like I was in I was in Dallas when uh, Mike Medano got you know we're done with with you. Not like it was yeah screw you right, but it was yeah. like hey thanks for everything, but we're moving on. Those are tough decisions to make as an organization, <laughs> especially with long term guys that are staple in the community. And I, I mean you know we've had this conversation too before, but it's like. You, you're, you're emotional as a fan. You have you, you see the guy out for dinner and like, hey, you know, I like this guy. And then yep. you, you talk to him once, sign autograph, he's nice to you. You fall in love with the person, right? Sure. And, and, and that goes to what you're saying is like, hey, you overvalue. You, you, you're, you're, your hometown team thinks you're way more valuable than you actually really are. Right. Frank Cervalli said that a couple times on the show. Michael Backlund means more to the Flames than any other team in the NHL. Fair enough. Fair enough. But, uh, you know, going back to what you were saying, I mean, Jerome McGinley is a Hall of Famer, one of the great players of, a, of, oh, of an era. 100%. And you can't look at him or Marcel Dion or any of these guys who never won a cup and say, well, really, have, what have they really ever won? Hey, it's, it's hard to win a cup. Only one out of 32 teams now no wins question. it. And we know that, and it's cliche, but 
I I like your point better that we overvalue guys yep. in your hometown because they do put in the time and the effort. Like you talk about loyalty. Is there a more loyal player in the National Hockey League at this point in time than Michael Backlund, given all he's done for the community? You know, you know, but and that counts for something, and it certainly counts for your heartstrings, Absolutely. and everybody loves him here. But he's thirty-five years of age, yep. mm-hmm. and that's where the decision needs to be made. Like, you know, at what point do you need to buck up and pay a guy at thirty-five years of age to play till um, he's thirty-eight as a second or third-line center? I'm I, not sure it makes that much sense. I just think uh, you're in trouble when too much emotion gets involved. That's the right? crux like, of what you're like saying. Again, yes, like again, like last summer, like on. Let's be again from somebody who was looking from the outside and now is is in this market. I thought the moves that this general manager made, well, at the time, emo- the, some of that was emotionally driven. How those two guys left, how Johnny Goudreau left, and on the terms he left, and then all of a sudden Kachuk saying, well, now I want O2. I thought a lot of emotion was behind those deals. And you guys being in the thick of it here in the city, did you get that same no, sense? No, I, I can tell you that. I've, I've been asked that a million times. How much did Goudreau's decision affect Kachuk's decision? Zero. And, and and I asked Kachuk, too, and I have a pretty good relationship with Matthew, and I asked him. That was the first question I asked him. Right. And now he's on the record. He's not going to, you know, but even talking to him off the record, I, I know for a fact it had nothing to do with it. Okay. Sutter had something to do with it. Sure. But but it was big picture. Matthew Kachuk was never, you know, I took a beating in this in this market for years, always saying Johnny Gaudreau is not going to resign here, and neither is Matthew. I always said that. Mm-hmm. I knew they weren't coming back because – I just knew their mindset, their mentality. I had enough conversations with them. They're Americans who wanted to go back to the other side of the border. And after the pandemic, when they literally couldn't go back to the other side of the border, that cinched it for both of them where, like, Mm -hmm. I can't be isolated in the middle of nowhere in a city that's treated me well, and I like it here, and we have a pretty good team. But at the end of the day, this is my one chance to be an unrestricted free agent and go to wherever I want. Johnny screwed it up and went up going to a crappy place that he didn't really want to go to. But Matthew... Did it perfectly because his father taught him how to do it. Right, right. And he picked the right spot. And that's all the more reason why more of these guys want to leave. They all went to Matthew Kachuk's house. They saw where he's living in Florida. They sat around his pool, saw his hot tub, saw his jet skis in the ocean behind his house. They have and that said, right. I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think it's another crucial part of this. If you're signing your first contract out of entry level, like Man Japani. Yep. He wanted some security. He got his 15, 20 million, 15 million, whatever it is, over three years. He's now set career wise. The next contract is, I don't want to call it a bonus, but, yep. you know, sure. These guys have all made 40, 50 million dollars. Uh, maybe not Backlund, but Lindholm has, Hannafin has. And now, now mm-hmm. it's just about, it's not about the money so much. They're going to get paid. Don't get me wrong. But now it's about, I want to live in the exact spot that I want. I want all these boxes checked. Yeah. Or else I don't go there. And they have that choice. And they have that right. And yes. I don't begrudge them at all. No. I love this city, as we just talked about for the last hour and a half. I think Calgary is just the greatest place. I love Stampede. I'm the proudest Calgarian there is. But if I had a choice between 32 cities in the National Hockey League and money wasn't an object, I agree. I wouldn't live here. Right. I hate to say that, but I'm being real. But you're not wrong. But then, you know what? Then, like you said, then do it the right way, right? Like, good Chuck. Did it the right way. He did it the right way. He went in and said, hey, you know what? Don't even wait for me. This is what I'm doing. This is how find a place for me to go. This is where I'd like to go. And everybody in Calgary was like, okay, yeah, he's gone. We get it. The band-aid, it, it was done. The band-aid was ripped off. People knew it wasn't coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, Johnny kind of, you know, yo-yoed a little bit and toyed with people's heartstrings. Like, I really yeah. like it here. I really love it here. And that's why people really didn't respect the way it, it ended. A hundred percent, right? And so you sit there and, you, and there are ways to do things. 
Gaudreau did it the wrong way. Kachuk did it the right way. Yeah. And that's so, it. So, so, which brings us to these guys here. Is Lindholm doing it the wrong way because he's Heaven not and sure? Han? Yeah. Yeah. But, but, I mean, I think it was pretty clear from his exit interviews when we talked to him, and he basically said, well, I got one year left. That's all I got to say. Yeah. And it was pretty clear he's leaving. Mm-hmm. But now I think with the change in coach, yeah. the fact that a new building's coming, that's a minor part of it. Conroy's now in, and everybody loves Conroy. I think that the power of persuasion with Conroy and Huska talking to Lindholm is what's giving him a chance of maybe staying here. But at what point do we start criticizing yeah. Lindholm for not making a decision? Yeah, but you know what it is, too, uh, Eric? Sometimes I feel like the fans and we as media use the city as a crutch, and here's why. If the team was built properly and was a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, guys would want to play here. They would. It's a great point. They would. Like, they would, they could overlook us. the cold yeah, and all that. It's easy for us to say when it's like, oh, well, it's Calgary. Guys don't want to stay here. If this team was a perennial Stanley Cup contender and guys who are Canadian or from Alberta, like, I want to go play back home because yeah. I could win a Stanley Cup in Calgary. And I could be, I know what those guys on the 89 team, how they're revered in this city. I can be that guy. That can still happen in this city. That's on the organization, not building a winning culture and having the right players in place here to attract more players. If Johnny and Matthew Kachuk were here and they could potentially say, I could win two Stanley Cups here, maybe they stay. And I get the... Maybe. Right. Again, I totally understand the American thing and I totally get that. But just just the cop out of being Calgary, as in like guys don't want to stay here, that's on the organization. Because if you build a champion and a winner, Brady Kachuk re-signed in Ottawa. Because he thinks he can win a championship in Ottawa. Yeah, that that even shocked his parents. Yeah. Right? That's what, yeah, no, no. But yeah. I mean, like, but we talked to Ian Mendez yesterday. There's an example of a guy that, yeah, I think I can win this city. I think that's way used too much of a cop out, and that's on the organization to to build the right culture, the right team, have the right players here to be a legitimate contender, and guys will want to stay. But George, last year when Kachuk left and said I'm leaving, it didn't have anything to do with the team. The team had just won the the division. I, the, but they, and, but they also, but the, they also there was a sour taste the bad against the, the Oilers. Fair enough, but I'm just saying, and maybe that's that was the lingering taste at the end. It's like that's that caps it. I'm out of here. But it was a division leading team. It was one of the best teams in the West. It was a legit Stanley Cup contender in a lot of people's eyes. And yet those two guys still left. But that's not consistency either. This team's up, been up and down like a toilet year, seat. Yeah. Like if it's consistently a perennial, like look at the Washington Capitals. There's the prime example of a team that was always near the front top of the standings, winning president's trophies, always getting beat by the Pittsburgh Penguins, but always a winning culture focused around Alex Ovechkin. And they finally broke through and won a cup. Guys wanted to go there and help Alex Ovechkin win a Stanley Cup because that was a team that eventually they will break through. The Red Wings in the 90s, mind you, a different time with no salary cap. They could spend as much as they want. Eventually, the Red Wings broke through. If you're a winning team and a winning culture and you're near the top of the NHL standings, eventually guys want to help you get there and get over the top. I think it's just an easy couple to blame Calgary. Fair enough. No, I, I completely agree with you. Having said that, like to your point, Eric, it's been up and down. They've had how many coaches in the last ten years? Yeah. The first coach, the first year of that coach, they do really well. The next year, they don't make the playoffs. Then they yeah. get a new coach, they make the playoffs, they get maybe first, second round, get out. Right. Next year, done. Right. You're 100 yeah. percent right. The winning culture, you would play anywhere to win. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's that's, there, that's there, how there, it is. There are there always be guys who don't want to play in a Canadian market. That but you'll never be able to change that. But if you're a constant win, if Ryan Huska and, and Craig Conroy built this incredible culture here and they're perennial Stanley Cup contender, you'll keep guys well, and you'll get guys. That's just the way that's the way professional sports works. Look at in the NBA. The Denver freaking Nuggets just won the NBA championship. 
a team that's been the dregs of the NBA for years so and years and years. How'd they do it? They drafted and developed the right players. I know. Well, that that's the that's what you hear everybody. I mean, look at the Stanley yeah. Cup winners over the last decade. You, they all at yeah. some point had to tear it down to build it back up. And that's yes. that's a whole other discussion. I think that that's been had a million times on this station. Sure. Is ownership needs to finally figure it out. And I think they're on the cusp of yeah. having to dismantle this. I think I think everyone yeah. agrees with that. I'm not sure ownership does, and that could be a problem moving forward. That's where the frustration comes with this ownership group, I guess. But at the end of the day, I get what you're saying, and I think it's a very valid point. These players right now, those three players in particular, yeah. how much faith could they or should they have that this organization is now moving in the right direction for these guys to potentially win right. something in the near future? There's no reason to believe hmm. with a rookie yeah. GM and a rookie coach. Yeah. And I love those guys both, and I think yeah. they're going to be good. But why would you put your faith? If you're, if you're evaluating your next step in life where you're as a hockey player, yeah. what do you have to hang your hat on, right? You don't. Right. And, and guys talk, players talk. Guys aren't stupid no, in the room. They're and, and, not stupid. Not at all. Everybody knows it too, right? Yeah. So, and you talk to your buddies and other teams, like, you should come here. You should see how they treat the guys. You should see what we have. You should see this. You should see this. Yeah. It's unbelievable. If you can get here, great. And then there's other organizations in the league where it's like, this place is a joke. It's awful. Don't even come here. I'm yeah. out of here the next flight out, basically, right? Yeah. And it, it, it's all known which organizations are good and which organizations suck. And then you kind of can figure out where guys go, up, you know, based on that. But I think this is known. I, hey, the last I've said this, I'm going to crunch these numbers, maybe even later today. So I'll have the numbers tomorrow. Over the last 30 years, I would say that this is probably a bottom five or seven team in the National Hockey League, winning percentage wise in a regular season. I don't know, but it's not. It's not in the top 15. Like no. it's not in the middle. And but it's it's one of the classy organizations in the National Hockey League. There's a great history here. 100%. And it's very well respected around the league. I don't think people should yeah. misconstrue that. There's no question about that this that this organization is well looked at. It's the team. It's the team that's failed on yep. its end. And that's that, hey, that's partially due to the, the inability to find coaches, maybe some mismanagement along the way. Yep. There's a lot of reasons that conspire yep. to that, but I don't want anyone to think I, I don't think you're saying, are you, Croner, that people look at this organization and go, I wouldn't come here. It no, sucks here. No, they don't. Okay. No, no. I just want that very clear. Yeah, yeah for because sure. Because I don't think that, and I don't think I've ever talked to a guy in the league who goes, man, I'd never play in Calgary. It's a garbage organization, garbage city. No, nobody says that. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Guys like it here. Guys come here. You, yeah. There's so many people that come here in the offseason too, right, that live here, make it their home, that there's so many players from Alberta that would come play for Calgary, right? It's not yep. exact, It's not what I'm saying at all. But having said that, yeah. guys know exactly where, you know, you have a bad coach in an organization. There's a few bad apples in management that you're like, hey, you know what, this guy, don't even come here until he's run his course. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's just just the margins are just uh, just tighter here in Calgary. You have to be a smarter, shrewder sure. organization because oh, you don't yeah. have the luxury of being in Vegas. You don't have the luxury of being in South Florida. You you just don't have that. But when you're smart like, and you're a team that can win the cup, guys will want to play here. Look, it's, yeah. it's that simple. Look at Buffalo. Everybody that plays in Buffalo loves Buffalo. You know, St. Louis, too. St. Louis is another one. And right? it doesn't make sense. Either city, yeah, I'm I know. sorry, but us from the outside in Calgary. Yeah, makes no sense. I ask guys like Pronger. I've asked the Kachuk family. I, anyone in St. Louis. They're alumni second only to the Flames exactly. alumni. And, and and I asked all those guys, Al McInnes, why'd you yeah. stay here? Yeah. Like, yeah. downtown's dangerous in St. Yeah. Louis. Yeah. They go, first of all, nobody lives downtown. We all live in the burbs. <laughs> yeah. And it's a phenomenal place to raise their family. That's what they all say. But they also think the organization's phenomenal, too. Right. And that says a lot about it. Well, and even like yeah. to the alumni, too, here with the Flames. I mean, there's how many guys that come out in the community that stick around that oh, love the organization amazing. that are up there. I mean, Lanny, you have to go no further than Lanny, but Colin Patterson, Joel Otto, 
right guy, Dana Merzen, guys like this Berzin. that show up, like Barrett Perry Berzin. It's yeah. I mean the uh, list is endless. On. I'm, it's I'm, true. I'm it's Cl- true. Curtis Glencross now, Matt Commie, right? Like it's there's so many guys that come back that mm-hmm. have had such a good time here that love this city. It's just there's so much passion here. You want this city to do well because it is so well liked. The t- the organized the, the 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 city in itself. I mean, guys come here, like I said, but second only to St. or uh, St. Louis is the second alumni, right? Where there's yeah. just there's people just want to go there, and yeah. Calgary's one of those cities too. Yeah. We just we just want to win, and we're tired of the up and down, left and right. Mm-hmm. And which right. direction is the team going? Why guys are leaving? Kind of build up and and winning it's and winning yeah. solves everything, right? It absolutely does. If you can build a perennial yeah. contender. Again, and that's a lot easier said than done. Guys will want to stay. They just will. But even that second round against the Oilers a couple years ago, how many guys just show, like, the buzz in the city, like, all of a sudden, this whole team, it's just, you felt like oh, yeah. you, were, you, were, you were on another planet, right? Again. Stampede on steroids. Yeah. It was kind of like that, the, yeah, the, the city community spirit. It was great. But right now, you got three guys who are trying to decide, can this team, is this team going to be better next year and the year after and the year after right. that? It's pretty Hard for them to make the to squint and look and go. I mean, look look at this offseason, for example. Every other team in the league is getting better. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm not I'm not blaming Craig Conroy. His hands are tied with the cap and with these three guys. Are kind of I don't want to say they're holding the organization horse hostage. That's not fair. But until they make their decisions, this yeah. for these guys can't move forward with anything. They've signed what? What's this? They've signed one or two guys. Yeah. Every other team in the league, like I hate to say it, but every other team in the league has pretty much gotten better yeah. on paper, and mm-hmm. this team has kind of been at a standstill and missed the playoffs last year. Really hard to sell exactly. that we're but, going to be a whole lot better next year and the year after. Right, but although we all believe that this team, if those guys come back, could make the playoffs next well, year, no that, question. That's the thing too, and some you know what? After last year, it's pretty pretty easy to push the panic button and say we're going to blow yeah. it all up and get things going. We need Markstrom to to be better this year, right? Goaltending solves yep. a lot of mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we get ourselves into the playoffs or we the Flames get themselves into the playoffs and you never know what can happen, right? And that's the thing. We see every other team making moves and we're almost having fear of missing out. Like, well, we should be getting, we should be doing this. Yeah. Lindholm should figure it out. Backlund should figure it out. We should find a place for Hannafin to go play. We should figure all this stuff out. And sometimes no move is the best move. But we'll see how it goes. I don't know. Wow. At this point it is no move is the best move because they've got to figure of, those of guys out more than anything. So. Yeah. Wow. We went from... Uh... Uh, a bull riding conversation and some nonsense to an actual like <laughs> intelligent discussion. I'm proud of us. Can we just change lives here first? What's the name of that thing, Croner, that your friend sent you that it can help you oh, take your boots the boot off? Jack. Yeah. I'd never heard of this yeah. thing, and this can change lives. Like that's what this show is ultimately all about. We want changing we want to change lives, lives. Yeah. every yep. segment that the we boot can. Jack. And apparently they're readily available too. You can find them anywhere, right? At L A M L E S. Exactly, boot jacks. I had no clue. Okay. My buddy Aaron Williams sent it over to me. He said, hey. Uh, we're here to uh, inform. Maybe entertain sometimes. Yeah. Uh, what do you got coming up in Mucho Big Show, Patrick? You got uh, Adnan Verk live oh. from Seattle ahead of the All-Star game tonight. Okay, awesome. Uh, Eric will be tuned in. Uh, Did Seiko won? Did he win last night? I didn't yeah, look. No, he beat uh, Mark McGuire. Oh, the, the Bass Brothers. I knew it would come Yeah, they're back. Uh, they're awesome. back. Uh, that's Eric Francis. He's in all week. Uh, Calgary sports legend Brent Kahn. Uh, thanks, thanks for this, pal. Hey, thanks for having me in, guys. Yeah, always the best. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog.